Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. So today we sat down and dove deep into the insights that we have been having in this past week that we took off. Paula went on her solo trip to Mexico and I stayed here watching our cat. Yeah. Yeah. And we really... What this week really brought up for us was how important it is to find a balance between softness and strength in each of us and how surrendering into some of that softness while nourishing our strength is super powerful for our healing process. And we also talked about, we added to the timeline conversation of last week's podcast or two weeks ago's podcast on regret. Right, because we've talked to you guys a little bit more about trusting the forward movement path of our individual journeys, but it's also really important to speak to essentially the regret that can come up when we review our life and buy into the stories that our mind is telling us that life could have been better if we had chosen differently. And so we talk about how we have made peace with those experiences in our own life and what's helped us um, essentially honor our own journeys. Yeah, I think you guys will really like this one. I'm excited for you to hear it. And with that, let's take a deep breath. And press play. Pretty mental family, we missed you guys so much with all our souls. We missed you guys paula was off getting her tan on on a birthday solo trip yeah i did the, in uh, mexico in mexico playa del carmen if you guys have never taken a solo trip i highly recommend it i've never done it yeah i i like it uh, yeah i want to try it out you, you just have to find my personal preference is to find a really nice hotel you have to get a six-star hotel (laughs) (laughs) you have to get a make sure you get a five-star hotel penthouse suite and you chill she really gifted herself for this one which you should you work so hard oh my gosh it was so (sighs) it was so relaxing it's so beautiful it's it's nice to get out and to remember that those types of environments exist especially when you live in a city there's something about getting out to the ocean. Like beach towns, right? Beach towns. Just the palm trees swaying in the wind and the stars at night and just the ocean breeze. There's something about just switching up your routine and seeing new things. I think your your brain works better. I was watching a video on that the other day, actually, when you're exposed to new environments and you explore, you strengthen your brain. Well, you're more present. 
Yeah. You're more present because you're not caught up in your usual thought process. The thing is that when we're always in the same environment, we it's very, very easy to go into autopilot. It's kind of like when you're driving somewhere that you've already driven a million times, you're not even present for it anymore. You're just kind of going off of reflex. But what I experience is that when I go into a new environment is that there's just so many new, beautiful, little visual details. And I'm a very visual person. So to to grab my eye that I it's just so easy to be present. It's so easy to be present. Granted, and it helps when you're on the third floor hotel room overlooking the ocean and you have that breeze flowing in your face. So, yeah, but people don't need to like do that in order to feel present you can still you can go on walks you can go explore different parks in your neighborhood you can do different things that because not everyone can afford that no and not you know that's, I mean I couldn't afford it for 30 years and still probably the only reason I can't afford it is because I don't have kids and all that so that's just kind of like pertinent to my lifestyle and I choose to rent for as cheap as I can and save money in other places so that I can do these things. We really value experiences. Yeah, exactly. And we like, we barely eat out when we're here. So we just, you know, we do it what we can, but regardless, even, I mean, even though when I, when I was there in like, in an extremely beautiful setting, something that I was aware of is that, yes, it's nice to experience that, but if that's all you ever experience, you end up you're going to end up taking it for granted, too. Yeah. And you can't let yourself. It's going to be very easy for the ego to want to get attached to that experience because everything is just going its way. And then any little thing your kind of your spiritual muscle can actually get a little weaker if you don't keep an eye on it, because then any little thing that will rub up against you. If you have complete control over your external environment, your tolerance for things going wrong starts to decrease. And that's not necessarily freedom either. That's that's definitely not freedom. That's kind of what I was talking about on my blog post that I put up, The Great Surrender, how a lot of times people think that to get to freedom and to get to this place of bliss and just a surrendered state, it's going to be through accumulating things and having like really comfortable home and more this and more of that and I don't think you can you can get to that spiritual surrendered place through that the inner peace place no you've got to surrender learn how to surrender and this is what I was telling Paula was that she was really able to enjoy it because she does have a level of detachment because I mean we've hustled our whole way (laughs) our whole life yeah we have to this I mean we're still going you know it's it's you've got to surrender before you get there because if you look to those things to be the heaven that you're seeking, I mean, you're just creating a really low threshold for discomfort. Yeah. It could totally become an addictive thing where, okay, so now I'm not there anymore. So I can't be happy because all of my external conditions aren't an ideal setting of paradise. That's just not, you know, that's not realistic and it's your spiritual muscle will just get weakened. As I said, if you rely on that. And actually I wrote about this when I was on my, because I noticed the difference. Um, 
so this is the story, okay? I got to the hotel and they put me in this room um, that I I paid for beachfront, but it was like sort of beachfront, whatever. And then I saw at the corner, I saw the panoramic rooms that did like a wraparound that you could get like the full view of the ocean. And I called them or I talked to them. And I'm like, hey, are any of those available by chance? And so they put me up in the top one. And I was like, heck yeah. They're like, but we're sorry because it's only available for four nights. And I'm like, all right, fine. I guess it'll be like a transition back to, <laughs> to regular life to go back to like one of the other rooms for a few days. And and then I noticed the transition of like, okay, it's so easy to be at peace and it's so easy to be surrendered and, you know, gentle. And it's nice to have that experience sometimes for those four days that I was up there. But then as soon as I got taken to the other room, I felt like my ego. Wait, I didn't know that you had two rooms when you were there. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. At the okay. very tail end of my stay, because somebody had already reserved that the room that I wanted yeah. ahead before me. Right, right. So they they came two days before I left okay and I went into the other room and I was just I, I felt my ego get like you know like the blasphemy the blasphemy <laughs> the peasantry no and it wasn't as there wasn't as much of a breeze it just wasn't there was it wasn't as like everything is going exactly my way and so like I am at ease it was still a beautiful room but I had been spoiled for those four days so then I came back and I was like okay well all right well let me find like beautiful things about this room and so what I did is that I spent more time inside of the room like playing with the architecture and photographing the different corners and um just exploring it in a different way and so I think that having more adversity in your life lets you end up having those really great experiences without your happiness being attached to it. If you have more training in learning to be happy in whatever environment that you're in, then you can have that. And it's almost like having dessert and it's great, but I don't need to have dessert every single night. I mean, if I can, I will, but I don't need to. I can still go to the other room, you know, the metaphor for life and find things to enjoy there. And then that got me actually going out and exploring the town a little bit more and just approaching life from a different angle. So there's always room within whatever circumstance we're in to find the beauty and the pleasure in it. Of course, if you, the more, because of the capitalist society that we live in, the more access you have to financial resources, the more that you can create environments for yourself where your ego doesn't rub up against anything. But if you don't have any kind of spiritual or emotional training for learning to find peace within yourself, then that can also be a trap because then any little thing that goes wrong is not tolerable. And that's why we, a lot of people that have a lot of financial resources, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how much anxiety they struggle with. You know, I've come across a lot of people like this in my professional and personal life that you would just think, okay, like you have it all, but your tolerance starts going down for things going wrong. And then you end up taking more meds and anti-anxiety meds and all this other stuff. So Acquiring more things and more resources, basically, it's not the answer to inner peace. No, you know what else can mess you up too? Because routine. And routine, which is literally what we were just talking about, but it made me, when you were speaking, it reminded me of, I love routine. 
you know, and a lot of people do. So you don't have the routine helps you not have to make so many decisions in a day. You know exactly what you're going to do. And it's really easy to find pleasure once you get that routine going and you find pleasure in everything is just set out. That's another form of anxiety. But then when the routine gets messed up, it's like you you cannot compute, (laughs) you know. So I actually found that I really, really like a bit of the messiness weaved into I do have a routine but I keep it loose 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 because if not you can start becoming really small-minded and what makes you happy really rigid because it's there's a lot of pleasure in routine for people who like that sort of thing but I have found that when you invite more of the messiness in it it just you got to train yourself oh my gosh of course you know in working with OCD and anxiety Um, which are the things in trauma, which are the things that I specialize in, especially with OCD and anxiety. Routine is one of the biggest trappings that because that those two conditions, quote unquote, we call them, are rooted in a low tolerance for uncertainty. And so if you you whenever you start to make something predictable, you can start getting addicted to it. And that's all great and good for a little while. But like you said, if you get too used to it, anything that gets in the way, it's just going to throw your lid off. And that's yeah. not what you want either. That's not freedom either. No, man. It's it's a dance between routine and unattachment, which is what I'm really thriving in right now is unattachment because that's the most surrendered state for me and people in general is just, you know what? Let life happen. I'll find joy in the little things and the big in the changes and the disruptions it'll be fun you know just changing my outlook on that yeah and and you started making art and I started making art do you want to talk about that because even as we talk about this I have personally experienced that art is such a metaphor (laughs) for life (laughs) you have to with art with art it's like a dance between being super super present and then being like pissed off at Uh your work Uh because you I don't know. You just. It does uh, what it wants it to at some wants. point. Yeah. So it's it's just like you life. Have, you have to just go with it. You have to follow whatever picture is trying to come out. And when you start making it, you, ha- you start with an idea. But that idea has to be flexible. Because if you get too rigid about it, the picture goes stale. So you have to start out with something that sparks you. And we were talking about this this morning in the creative process. It's usually. Uh, we actually have a pretty similar process which is kind of interesting, but it's your process like that. No, I I didn't tell you my whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) My process is there's usually certain images that catch my attention. Yeah. And I'll just start drawing them and working with them. And then something just morphs out of that. But it's usually something. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I I just, I was getting too detailed. I was like, well, first I spent like a few minutes just going through the web or looking in nature and just looking for one thing that will just completely spark me. It's like I'm stale, stale, stale until I see one thing and I'm like, that's it. And then I start with that little image and that little image, I once I start with it, I completely let go of it and it forms, it morphs into something completely new. That's life. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. Following the next best step. Yes. And once you take that oh next God. best step, you just keep flowing. That's, keep flowing I and think let life happen. This just makes me want to work with art more in my therapy, in my psychology practice. You so should. Because I, this is what I, I've tried to get at this in the messages. Like, you've heard me say this 
even in the last podcast, I think we were talking about this, how life really unfolds one step at a time. And I know that my training in art prepared me for allowing that flow to take place. And it's because of that metaphor, like, you know, for a fact, when you start making an artwork that you are not going to know what the final outcome is going to be. No. And if you try to be super stuck to what the final outcome is going to be, the piece that you end up making is going to be so much more rigid. It's going to have no soul to it. It's going to have no soul to it. It's going to feel energyless. Yes. And when you just go with it, the final piece is like, it reflects your spirit back to you. You're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, it it reflects the collaboration between yourself and the materials and the art and maybe the music that you're listening to. Yes. It reflects that collaboration. So it's a piece of life. It's not stale. It's not programmed. And that's the thing with anxiety, especially in this culture, is that... It gets us, like we've said, wanting to know what the full picture is. But it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. So the art of living, I truly believe, is learning to take things one step at a time and getting that one source of inspiration. Like you said, there's just one image, one thing that made your soul speak up. You know, we were talking about intuition in our last episode. That's it. That's intuition. You get those little hits where... You feel unblocked in that moment. You feel a little more energized in that moment. And the thing is, and it's about learning to follow it because the more that you do, the more that your sensitivity for those hints grows. Yes. And that's how your intuition grows because you see, oh my God, following that led me exactly to where I wanted to be. And I didn't know this was going to be the outcome, but I'm so happy with it. I feel aligned with it. I feel expansive. Yeah. It's you so allow yourself to expand when you follow that. Could you in any way, I know it's kind of, you're just kind of getting going on your art journey, but do you see any parallels going on that could maybe help you not go into worst case scenario thinking? What do you mean? So for example, you're making art and we're talking about you get a hit and you start moving with it in life. Oh yeah. No, we normally block that by saying, oh, but, but it could go bad. It might not work. So in the past, when I would just draw on little papers, on like the sketch pads, I would start something and then I hated it. So I would abandon it and start something else and then maybe finish that and then start something else, maybe finish that. And then the thing that I hated, I would go back to and then finish it and I would like it in the end. And that's the same thing with the big canvases now that I'm doing. I'll start something and maybe I think I'll, I have messed, I, maybe I'll think what I did was a mistake but I'll just keep, and in my head, I'll, I'll be pissed. I'll really be like, mm, <laughs> this I have to go with it. You have, have to. to. You have to. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. And then in the end, it's always something that I'm like, holy shit, that little mistake that I really was so pissed at. But it, even while I'm pissed at it, I know the process by now. But I'm like, that little thing that I was pissed at just really led me to create this thing that feels so invigorating when I look at it. So yeah, I could see how that could, you know, help with the worst case scenario thinking because you don't really know what's about to go down Mm -mm. and a lot of it is in 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 addition to art it's a lot of the the blogs that I write and the meditations that I write is a lot of anxiety comes from the story that you attach to whatever feeling that is happening words are the thing that create your reality if not it's just a sensation that you're going through if not, it's just a flutter in the stomach or your your heart beating fast. 
it's only that story of like, oh my God, I'm nervous and this and this and this. And then you go down a black hole with it. That's when you're like, oh my God, well now I'm screwed because you've painted a terrible reality, potential reality. Instead, if you just kind of, you know, make a little mark on your paper, or you feel a little flutter in your stomach and you're kind of, you kind of just go with it. You kind of just analyze it, not analyze it. You um, observe it. Mm-hmm. You do not analyze it. That is what you do not do. You <laughs> just observe it. Mm-hmm. from the seat of the observer as Michael Singer likes to say and you you don't put a good or bad label on it you don't that's put, what you mean by observing it right you don't put what what any you don't label. put any some any words you just you it's almost as if and this might sound a little too woo woo for some people but it's your higher self it's you the, your higher self just looking at your human self and this is what me and Paula were talking about last week but your higher self looking at your human self feeling something and you just sit observing and you allow your human self to feel whatever it needs to feel. But as the observer, as your higher self, you can float in that state of just observance and awareness without allowing your human self to start creating stories around what you're feeling. We've started calling it our human animal. That's my human, my human, my human, my human animal. But it's like I just say my human. Yeah. When we we believe that when you, you know. And this is this is a debate that has been going on in science and psychology and philosophy since the beginning of inquiry just for so long is consciousness. Like what is consciousness? Is consciousness. There you go. Consciousness is the seat of the observer. It's the same thing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So what is consciousness? Is it. Is it something that's just produced by a biochemical reaction in our brain? Or is it, is there actually something else that's there? And they've done other studies where they'll like weigh the body before and after death. And they'll say like that a few grams actually did leave or just trying to get out what is there, the mind versus the brain. Uh, We're never really going to know. So it's really about what resonates for you. But for us, and this is, I experienced this for sure is that we have a very, the human body, it's, it's a very primitive animalistic. It's, it's an animal. It's an animal. Like we have very primitive instincts. Our, our survival brain is so powerful. Our sexual brain is so powerful. Our, our pleasure brain is so powerful. All of that can really take over. We're little wild childs, little wild animals. Yeah. But there is something else, and some people might attribute this to the prefrontal cortex. Some people attribute this to the soul. There's something else that comes in and is kind of is, is saying like, no, you know, we're going to go this way. It's a wiser version. It's a wiser part of yourself. So whether that's coming from the brain or not, I personally believe it's my higher self, my soul, interacting with my human. Yeah. And... So now when, that we've been talking about it that way, it helps for like when the human is throwing a fit. It helps so much. We'll literally be like, my human's going through it today. And it helps with, it's a little bit, it's a detachment. Yeah. Not is. entire detachment where you're just like totally numbed out, but you're yeah. just aware. Yeah. My human's having a hard time today, but it doesn't mean that my human I is am a, yeah. having that a hard time has completely taken over my reality. Mm-mm. It's that my human is currently going through a hard time, but through consciousness, you see that that's just a phase. It's just a moment. It's nothing that needs to 
have an entire narrative and story around that paints this bleak reality. Exactly. So my I treat my human like a cat. So like Dude, cats are amazing. They are amazing. By the way, this time that you've been gone, I have really come to the conclusion and I'm a dog person and I'm just a life person, I guess, because I love all animals. But I've really come to the conclusion that humans could learn so much from cats. They just mind their own business. You know, we would hear like I would drop something really abruptly and Leah, Paula's cat, would just like really quickly turn to see what it was see that there was no danger and just fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like humans are like, what was that? Oh my God. What was that? Mm-hmm. It's like a, a dog would do that too. You if kinda, you go into a story or you not. go into a story, you're yeah. like, Oh my God. But once she just sees there's no danger, she goes back to sleep. Back to Zen. And then she also has this, I can only pet her when she wants it. She is, you very know, clear boundaries, very clear boundaries. What makes me comfortable. It's amazing. That's the cool thing about traveling alone is that you get to kind of really play with that. Because when you're traveling and like, I definitely obviously want to travel more with you and with my mom and all that stuff. But there's something, when you travel alone, you get to really play with like, there's no one that you really love or are watching out for. So you don't have to try to like compromise or appease anybody. So you get to really play with like, what do I want? Even if you meet new people, it's a it's a good exercise to be like, I'm going to hang out with them for as long as I want. And then the moment that I want to leave, I am leaving. If I want to go here, I'm going to do that. If I want, want to go there, I'm going to do that. So especially for people that struggle with people-pleasing tendencies, I think it's a really, it could be a really cool exercise to take yourself on a trip and just try to be as selfish as you want. Be as selfish as you want. Because you don't get to do that normally. And then you have something else to market by, you know? Like, it, it just, it's funny because it made it a little more acute for me now, like when I'm comfortable or not. Like, we went out to My dinner. My God, did it. <laughs> Paula came back. We went out to I dinner. I was on one because I had just come back. She was on one. We sat down and like we an went hour out to later, dinner. She was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. That's it. We're leaving. I was like, okay, take a breather. I really was. I still like the next day I thought about it and I'm like, I should have, I, I, that's what I needed was really to leave. Um, but there's a dance when, you know, exactly. It's a dance family. I had to integrate back in. (laughs) You compromise, but it's, it's good because it's empowering to know that you can please yourself and you're not going to hurt anyone. You're not going to, you're not going to like, no one's going to die if you just are are a little more selfish towards you. If you're used to people pleasing, even if you're not, there's still a level of compromise and caring about others that we all have to do all the time in our life because we're part of a society. So I, I think it's so cool to give yourself a break from that. Yeah. Just for a weekend, two days, even if you need to. Yeah. Like what's it like to just go somewhere? I mean, even if it's camping, whatever it is, you know, it's a good exercise for anxiety too. Cause yeah. there's no one else to turn to. And it's really good to, you learn how to really care for yourself. And I think that's what you were about to say when you were saying you treat your human like a cat. Yeah. I treat my human like, like a cat when my, and it like, cat slash little child because like when things don't go my way and I feel that tantrum rising up inside of me I know for example I need to go sit in my room for a while (laughs) like you know my human needs to be put 
you know, needs, away from it, other yeah, humans. My human needs to go to her room for a while and put on some calm music, burn some incense, just kind of like soothe her and please her and just kind of coax myself back into a state of ease. If I try to force that, um, it just aggravates me even more. Yeah. And I, that's the cool part of being an adult is that you have the freedom to do that because honestly, as a child and growing up, I couldn't do that. Yeah. If I'm throwing a tantrum, the whole, especially our family with everyone being like real close to each other, you know, if you're, I'm throwing a tantrum, like everybody is in it and like, what are you doing? Get over it. Blah, blah, blah. Right. If you, as an adult, you have more agency to be like, "Mm, I'm going to walk away. I need to be alone. I need to not see people. I need to draw for a little bit. I just need to like settle down until the story that's trying to grow in my head loses a little bit of momentum and then I can like gently bring myself back into a place of alignment and then I'll interact again so in that sense it really is like dealing with a cat if a cat doesn't want to do something you don't force it you don't pick it up and it's gonna screech and scratch at you like it's not gonna give in very easily versus like if you gently pet it kind of allow it to come to you you'll have a pretty high chance of bringing it back into a place of it being soothed Yeah. Another thing that, so all of these are tactics to really learn how to be human, really. Another thing that I really learned while you were gone was really stepping into my own sensuality in terms of like my senses, getting like real sensual with my environment. So I, as you guys have heard, am super sensitive to smells, sights, all that stuff. So I actually played with it. I, I lit incense and put music and and I painted and all of those things deal with all of your senses. And that was so peaceful for me because I, I, they have such a strong effect on me that they drew me to the present. We had a very similar experience because that's what I did. That was kind of that was essentially my goal in in getting that specific room in being in that specific location was to literally cater to my senses and it's so it's so necessary it's so necessary it's because it slows you down and brings you into the present and I was thinking about how all of us are in technology and we are always moving and those things are meant to kind of like rev you up they're meant to keep your attention going like to the next thing to the next thing but when you play with scents and sights and touches and tastes it really is meant to for you when you do that you embody yourself more Mm -hmm. you really get into the present moment Mm -hmm. yeah so what you did this past week is that you essentially stepped into being more of an artist because truly are, I've, the people that I've seen be the most effective at curating very sensual experiences for themselves and really sensual spaces for themselves have all been artists. And now I get it because you used to say that. And as I was painting, I created my own like very intentional environment. Mm-hmm. It was very intentional. Everything had its place. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
yeah it's it's so cool we've been talking about this how getting valentina joining in on the art journey is super cool it's so funny that i'm painting because we always used to joke around with my painting or my doodles when i was younger and be like oh how in the world are me and paula related because i my stuff is so childlike it's That's so childlike. What's so cool about it but now i'm actually like i've i've blown up my childlike paintings yeah. onto giant canvases and it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. You can Every- see that, that free butterfly spirit. Exactly. So we may not be in the perfect settings for ourselves all the time, maybe never, but that is the power of art. Art truly is our ultimate freedom is no matter what you have accessible to you, you can curate your environment to be something that more closely matches a setting that is soothing for your soul, regardless of what capitalism is telling you, regardless of finances or of anything. Like you can start with something little. You can start by collecting rocks. You can start. I do. Yeah. And feathers. Yeah. I, I collect rocks and I found a seashell in the water, but just letting yourself play with your environment is so healing and so underrated We try so often to get a healing from a mental place of understanding. And there's definitely a huge place for that. That's how we transmit a lot of our insights. We're doing it on this podcast right now. But our soul and our human animal love to have beautiful experiences around us and to indulge in what it means to be human, which is playing with your senses and playing with the colors and and the sounds and all these things it's it's kind of like medicine it is medicine it's a form of medicine there's two parts of being human that one part that really involves the mind so you can be here but when it comes to a, a, i feel a big part of your mental health has also a lot to do with losing the mind losing words and really figuring out ways to get to embody yourself and to dissolve the barrier between the present moment and your spirit. And you know, it's actually a lot easier to do that if your physical body is satisfied. Yeah. Beauty softens you up, which is another thing that we were really talking about. You know, Pain softens you up and beauty softens you up. There's a place for both. Pain softens you up because... I I think most of us that are on any kind of healing spiritual journey can attest to this, that the only reason we embarked on it is because life was painful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like life was painful. So I'm like, shoot, I need to surrender. This ain't it. This ain't it. <laughs> we gotta this look is, for something else. This is not sustainable. I'm, I'm going to go sit for 10 days in silence and see if there's some answers that are going to come through. And there but, were. And there were. So that pain is, is so necessary for breaking us out of our shell you know you can try to control everything until life show it, it's like trying to swim upstream you try to control everything and, and you may have a really good run with it but sooner or later it's gonna collapse sooner or later it's gonna crash sooner or later something's gotta give because that's just the way that life works it's not gonna just be like okay you're the ultimate controller of this situation and it's all gonna go your way you can really try and i that's when people get end up getting serious anxiety disorders trying to control everything because it's like trying to hold on to water. Life is just not going to flow that way. And so then it gets life it gets more and more painful to live because you're trying to kind of swim upstream and then that pain breaks you open or maybe you experience a trauma 
and the pain and the anger from that eventually reaches a tipping point that you say I I can't carry this anymore I need to soften up I need to let go and we have plenty of opportunities for pain to soften us what we need to start doing is to create more opportunities for beauty to soften us and that's the whole thing of operating from a place of joy and moving towards what you love rather than running from what you fear so it's just it's two different paradigms the pain can take us to that spiritual inner peace and so can the beauty. So I think what you and I have really experienced that really came through this past week was the it, beauty that's softening us up. Intentionally bring those two together. Yeah. As much as you can. Soften up your pain with beauty. You know, have flowers, go garden, volunteer at a community garden. There's options. Just experiment with different things. Cause there's never, I never thought that I would be with, in front of a canvas creating giant pieces ever. But Paula, when she left, she was like, you should just try. Just start putting your doodles on like big canvases. And I did. And I was like, oh, this is yeah, awesome. I'm like, take those pastels. Go get the colors. It's really, I think it's awesome, you know, because I've had people that have encouraged me too. It's really cool to have someone in your life that kind of starts pushing, coaxing you in the direction of allowing your creativity to blossom. And if you guys listening don't have that, person then we are that we person. are that person go get some colors or you, go y'all can some DM flowers us. dm us on instagram at pretty mental official and ask us for what are because that's what i did to paul i'm like what is the exact phrase i need to say to the person at the art store to get the canvas that i need to get for starters yeah because it can be confusing you like we'll tell you dm us i want to do a little left turn right turn conversation into what we were talking about at dinner the other night. Oh, yeah. Because that was really important. Yes, especially after the episode that we did on timelines. Yes. Because what we talked about in the last episode was surrendering and embracing your own timeline as you move forward. Something we didn't talk a lot about was embracing your timeline when you look back on it. Mm -hmm. So the conversation on regret Which is huge because regret can really have you thinking that you have messed up gravely with everything that you've done. And it can make it can really color your past experiences in a really dark, negative way. And your present experiences. And your present experiences. And it can keep you in a box and in this loop in your mind where you are just like, again, like, what have I done? Life is not an adventure. Life is something that I messed up on. Yeah, I got a bad grade. I got a bad grade and now I'm here. And the thing is that the mind would And because of what I did in the past, now my future's messed up. Yeah. Which is something that really came up with a friend that we were talking to. Yes, absolutely. Well, the mind will have its will will give it its best go at trying to tell us a story, a formulated story of what could have been. And that could have been story can get real seductive especially the more that we feed it and the more that we believe it. But at the end of the day, it's just another story. It's just another story. It's another story, but it's hard because it's such the narratives that are so prominent in this society. We have a friend who will remain nameless, obviously, but they were saying how, you know, I am 31 now and I messed up all of I could my, have had my life partner I could have had my life partner we could but be married right now all I did was focus on my 
job and getting money and because of that then I, I lost that partner and now I don't even have anyone to spend money on and so on and so forth and I get that but at the same time that is 100% fully this person being hard on themselves because they're comparing themselves to a narrative that society created it's not even theirs it's not even theirs the thing is that and we've had that too we can yeah, speak about our own experience for sure but it's especially so like you go running off from that example if they had that urge to make money and it was a strong like primal seed in their soul it was it was calling to them or else they would not have done it and they had ignored it to put romantic relationship in place they would have that relationship now and they would be regretting not having done the money thing. Exactly. So that's why I always say I'm, I am definitely one of those people that says if I could go back in time, I wouldn't change. And, and I had a chance to do it again. What would I do differently? I wouldn't do anything differently because everything that I did, whether it was a detour, quote unquote mistake, whether it led to a dark time or not, it was something that I needed for my learning to get that urge and that curiosity out of my system. And if I hadn't allowed that, then I might be somewhere that quote unquote looks better on paper, but that curiosity would be there buried. And that's the kind of stuff that drives people crazy, crazy eventually. And then, you know, maybe at 50, you leave everything and you go explore finally what you didn't let yourself explore. And you had that experience too, before you settled deeply into where you are now. For sure. When I finished grad school, I was so burnt out and I might have talked about this in the past a little bit or not, but I was so burnt out that I was just like, man, I did I make the right decision? Should I have just have gone straight from undergrad into industrial organizational psychology and I'd be rolling in the big bucks right now? And, you know, I was just done with being a student and being poor and I went into a place of regret and like, shoot. I ruined my whole life. And it life. really took over you. I remember you being like, and you were like staring at your eyeballs when you talked about this. And I was like, oh my God, she really thinks she ruined her path. But everyone around you could be like, like Polly no matter does. what we said, but we could really see that, Paul, this, this is the process. Yeah. You know? Like this is, it's okay. This is how it goes. And now yes. what can you say about your process? Yeah. I mean, eventually I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and once the acuity of that regret settled in a little bit I started seeing like oh no 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 I, this is the only place I could ever have been this is the only place I should ever be I, it was somebody with my kind of psyche and an intellectual curiosity needs to do this kind of work on a daily basis or else I'll get extremely bored you know researching what an organization is doing to make its employees more effective would have dulled my brain cells it, it might have been cool but it's just not it doesn't have the level of depth that i personally need and i but i did experience that moment of regret and speaking to it now like if you feel it you feel it i couldn't force myself to move out of it any quicker no yeah i had to sit with it i had to feel it i had to just keep moving I had to, you know, look up different jobs on, what is that, glass door? Yeah. Glass ceiling thing. <laughs> glass door, yeah. yeah. Panic when I looked over at the requirements. I, I had to do all that and then just keep moving. And then eventually things come into place. But you do have to intentionally at some point make a decision to drop the resistance to your life path. Or else you can get so buried in that story that it'll keep building momentum in itself. I th think for me is that I felt it for a while, but then eventually I, you, I started remembering all of my spiritual training 
I started remembering all of my emotional lessons, the things I talked about with my clients every day. I started coming back to myself and I came out of that story. You might feel it. You might feel that story. I would say if you're having a hard time getting out of it, talk to friends, journal, talk to a therapist, question it. Because maybe it needs to go on for a little bit. I say what would really help, would really, really help is finding that spiritual embodied practice that you can do and for me it's really been writing and art because doing those things gets you so detached from words again from stories from the outside world and so present and so connected to your soul and to your spirit that narratives and timelines they're jokes they don't they don't fit into present aligned energy they don't fit no. And in the times when I have felt the most joy is when I have completely dropped thinking and have felt the most present. So you start to wonder and you start to really ask like who, all of these stories, do I even really want to be a part of any of them? Really? No. I don't want to be a part of them. No. I know how to make and create a beautiful life with everything that planet Earth has has here for me. And I, I want to experiment and adventure with that I literally that reminds me when I was in grad school we did a we had a career class for career counseling and I did a, a like I wrote this whole paper on how the the evolution of career was like making an abstract painting and I feel like more than half the class was completely confused <laughs> as far as what I was talking about but I still stand by it and I feel like you're starting to see it now too that you start out with one thing and then you make that mark and then that mark leads you to make a different mark and then you kind of step away from it and then it just it flows but you never really know where it's going you kind of just start out with a vague idea and then you follow that and that's a beautiful collaboration with life letting it unfold the way that it needs to at any point there's no point you know because I think somebody some of you might be listening like, well, that's good and all, but I already have lived a long time and I already made my decisions and this sucks and I wish I had thought about this earlier. I wish I had trusted my intuition earlier. No, at any point you can start little by little trusting your intuition. Start with something small. You know, what feels good to me? When you do that, I feel like you're really marrying yourself because you're allowing yourself to really come out. Whereas all of these timelines and the stereotypes that we have to fit into are very much us marrying, marrying society and marry, marrying narratives that other people came up with. And I have made it an absolute priority for myself to decondition myself every single day, every single day. When I have any thoughts in my mind that try to create any guilt or sadness, I'm like, where is this coming from? Because that's not me. Let's talk about guilt because I know we wanted to talk about guilt. Okay. Speak to guilt. <laughs> guilt guilt comes up so much in my work with clients and it really ends up feeling that for a lot of people, it's almost like an emotional addiction to guilt. Me and Paula were talking about it and she was like, what? We were really like, what is guilt? Trying to figure out like, where does it come from? That was our, our little seed that we planted in both of our minds for the yeah. past weeks trying to just figure out where does guilt come from where does it fit in in the spectrum of emotions for me I have come to the conclusion that is still forming but 
I really think guilt comes from. Well, and we're not talking about every like regular girl there's regular girl can be socially functional right we want to have some of that i i want to feel a little guilty if i steal valentina's food you know if i feel no guilt you better i don't steal your food anymore <laughs> but if Y'all, i she used to eat i used all to be so bad about it my because i used I've to have, so good at that i actually had that thought the other day and i was like holy shit paula doesn't steal her food anymore <laughs> all my food has been here <laughs> because i buy a lot of paula's i buy a lot of paula's um, like favorite craving, food craving food yeah my little snackies and so I used to buy it all the time and she wouldn't really buy it that often for herself because she knew that she would eat it all. Yeah. So then I would buy it and then it would literally be gone in no time. Yeah. And I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> literally. And it was nuts. That's what it <laughs> like is. Like mixed nuts. <laughs> what is up with us and our like love for nuts? I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, I was, I, I just literally realized that the other day that like, my food is still here for me to eat. And I'm like, real proud of you. Paula has grown. I've matured. I don't steal food anymore. <laughs> okay, but yeah, but- so like that kind of guilt is healthy. That's fine. What we're trying to, what we want to speak to is chronic guilt. Right. Chronic guilt. That is one of, when, when guilt is something, was one of the primary emotions that you experience on a daily basis, whether you say yes, whether you say no, whether you move this way or whether you move that way. That's the kind of guilt that we're talking about. I wrote down. I have to look for it. See, and I, Valentina is such a great person to talk about this because guilt is has been a, a it's been one of the main ones for you. Because <laughs> she's a guilty girl. She's a guilty girl. <laughs> okay, so I got snap it. out that guiltness. Literally, this is what it just hit me. So not just, but last sometime this week, guilt. This is what I wrote down. Guilt is the result of a lack in self compassion. So I. We know following our podcast was a big, was I, I wasn't a people pleaser. Mm. Was I, was that what you would call it? I was very codependent. Yeah. So you were more towards that side of the spectrum. I was very codependent. You know, if I really struggled making anyone around me uncomfortable and I never asked myself, what did I need? What would make me happy? Never. Or if people were upset, you would kind of make yourself smaller and try to soothe them. Like it was your responsibility to tame the tiger and others. Yeah. I would kind of mold yourself. Yes. I would do the fawn in the fight, flight or freeze or fawn. We had a podcast about that. Um, But that's what I would do. So I, a lot of my guilt started going away when I started becoming more self-compassionate and asking myself, like, what is it that I need right now? And if in the past, maybe if someone was being really rude or aggressive and I would just leave in my mind, I'd be like, oh my God, I left them. And like, they might need, they might need help. They may be suffering. They might, you know, I would just be overly nurturing. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, what do I need? Well, this current situations making me really uncomfortable and I don't want to sit in this kind of energy so I'm gonna leave yeah and that's okay because that's what my human needs right now to feel safe yes and knowing that that is what is going to help my human I am nurturing myself and I don't feel guilt for that no and the reason that I think it's so powerful to call it say my human because we can really get into spiritual bypass territory in trying to be the higher person and trying to be the good person. Um, and we've talked about this, like honoring our humanity at the same time that you're on a journey towards being a better person. 
you still have to put yourself first. You still have to tune in and, and practice that self-compassion. You have to. That's how I would find myself in just the worst relationships, whether it was at a job relationship with coworkers or whether it was friendships or whether it was boyfriends, whatever it was. I was always really interested in, in making sure that like the other side the other partner was really okay and really happy. And if they were in pain, I wanted to make sure that they weren't in pain and I wanted to be really compassionate with them. So it's almost like the road to your liberation depended on other people's moods. 100%. 100%. And if they were really uncomfortable, I would be like on the verge of throwing up because like, I'm like, Oh my God, like what am I going to do? They hate me, this, that, whatever. But now I am like, well, no, like what do I need? What is it that would make me feel good? What would make me feel safe? What would make me feel happy? And feeling like you have a right to that. That was the other piece of this was also that there's a flavor of apologizing for your own existence when chronic guilt is something that you live with. Yes. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Almost like, you know, I'm sorry for even breathing. And I'm sorry for taking up space. I'm sorry for taking up any space whatsoever. You know, my journey to where I am now with this has actually really helped with the females in my life. I have such strong women in my life. And I remember when I started working working with Nicola, she is such a strong woman and she she surrounds herself with strong women and does not apologize for her existence at all, does not apologize for claiming exactly what she wants or walking away from something that makes her uncomfortable And it was my first time seeing someone, especially in the corporate world, especially in the corporate world, being not a people pleaser. Seeing a woman. Seeing a woman. Yes, yes, yes. You've seen men do it. Oh, totally. Of course. Left and right. That's what we see. But seeing her just really, no, this is what would be best for me. So that's what I'm going to do. And I remember just seeing that for the first time thinking like, oh, my God, like that's really freaking amazing that is so badass Mm -hmm. that is so respectful Mm -hmm. I love that and then the conversations that you and me had as well and you've helped me a lot with that too so just really embodying my feminine again and really embodying just what I deserve you know what I want for myself I think this was also like the other big part of the journey of this past week for us was that it was evoking our strength to create a place of safety so that our softness could explore. Yes. And from you did that by curating our, our place to do whatever you needed it to do so that then you could play. And I did that by taking myself on this essentially romantic trip for myself and just giving myself everything that I wanted physically. And then that allowed me so much space to go into the softness to be able to observe the curtains blowing in the wind the way that I did and what it had me thinking that we spoke about this a little bit was that in general you know we can't say for everybody but in general the journey of the woman on this planet has been one in which our strength has been suppressed either through males or even by other women just that whole patriarchy narrative is that you're not supposed to be strong you're just supposed to be soft and the flip side of that for men has been you're not supposed to be soft you're just supposed to be strong 
So then you get those two beings together and it's the woman wanting the men to offer her the strength that she's not able to tap into. And the man trying to wanting the woman to offer him the softness. But if we don't know how to tap that into that ourselves, we can't even receive it when the other person tries to give it to us. And it's coming from an unhealed place. So what I'm realizing more and more is that the healing of women is going to be very dependent on us tapping into our strength. And then men can tap into their own softness. And then we can come together. And then even then, women tapping into our strength, I'm sure, will open up a portal for the men in our life to feel safer going into their softness because they don't have to be that place of strength all the time anymore. I am screaming on the inside (laughs) because yes, this is literally, it's so funny how even when we're apart, we come up with the same things and conclusions in our minds. Yeah. It's wild. It was wild. We're so telepathic. And I just, I've been trying to get this message out with my last blog. And then my next blog is literally about like embodying your sexuality and your, your feminine more and your softness. And you're, you came up with the exact same thing. And it's just something that's so powerful. It's so freaking powerful. This, it's something that the world desperately needs right now because that's a lot of the pain that we are all suffering from mm-hmm. is women in women hardening up and men. Well, everyone hardening up. <laughs> <laughs> everyone taking everyone the hardening hardening up. Like we have Which to just learning. How we to have to try yeah. into the softness. And the strength within the softness. It's so- the strength is what creates space for the softness to feel safe coming out. Yes. It requires that container. Yes. If you're all injured, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, go be soft and lay yourself out on the road, even though like your skin is, you know, peeling away. Let's just say. Yeah. You've been burnt. Nope. Don't don't go be surrendered to the sun. <laughs> In order to bloom, you need a safe environment. You need a safe environment. feel like you can. Exactly. So we all kind of have that journey of how do I create a soft environment for myself so that I can a bloom. safe a safe environment for myself so that my softness feel feels okay coming out. And the crazy thing is is when you really embody that softness, you are you get empowered with strength. Cuz when you allow yourself to dip in that softness, you see how strong you can feel from that. I would love to have you speak more to that. Because this is something else that we talk about is that Valentina and my mom have taught me softness and I've taught them strength. Like it's kind of like as women to women, I operate more from that angle, from that side, more towards like that masculine energy spectrum naturally. And you guys have operated more towards the soft, you know, compassionate side. And so we've come together and we kind of balance each other out and teach each other like, hey, no, you know, I'm going to, like, do this for your strength. And you're like, you know, drink some green juices. Like, <laughs> take, take care of your insides, Paula. Don't don't be a savage out here. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than, than that. I mean, you summed it up pretty well. Yeah. And- well, I guess you spoke about that in, in The Great Surrender. It was just, like, when you embody that softness, more strength comes, comes through. Yeah. And if you guys are interested in reading it, I'm proud of that one. I that love one, that one. That one feels really... I was excited to get that to get that one out. It's yeah. up on prettymental.com. Yeah, you channeled that one for sure. So So it looks like we're hitting the um the time. We hit the time. 
But thank you guys for listening. We love you. We love you. Tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. We're so happy to be back. Us and be kind to yourselves out there. And like I said earlier, if you're not following us on Instagram, get on Instagram. We are at Pretty Mental Official because some unknown person already took Pretty Mental. They have no followers aren't following anyone and they have no posts and they want us to buy it from them or something i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't pretty mental it. official works for me but you know what i am manifesting that it's gonna become free one day because i'm ready to just be pretty mental all right love you guys bye